Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia podcast. Today on the podcast, I had a special guest from Denmark, and her name is Freya. Very, very awesome person. <clears throat> really glad to have her on the podcast. Um, very interesting. I've, I've never talked to somebody from Denmark before. Um, Danish people are super awesome, and they have really cool accents. You'll definitely hear that in the episode. Um, yeah, we went over the, the normal topics, you know, like uh, where she's from, what's her emetophobia story, um, how it's affected her, uh, friends and family, counseling, stuff like that, you know. Um, but this one was just like really cool because I've, I've been really having a lot of people on from other countries and um, it's just really cool to be able to talk to people from all over the world and get their emetophobia story. So you can find her over on Instagram. It's kind of a weird one, so I'm just going to spell it out. It's P-O-T-T-E-P-L-A-N-T-E. V-A-N-D. I will have it linked down below as well in the show notes so you can find her on Instagram if you want to go follow her. Super interesting girl. Go social love and we'll get into the podcast now. Just Good. sitting, drinking some tea with my cat on my lap. <laughs> hey, I'm doing the same thing. I got my tea as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, my cat's sleeping over here, though, by the window. He's been watching the birds all morning. He loves oh, the birds. Nice. Yeah, we got the bird feeders right outside the window there. So he, like, makes all these little, like, noises and stuff at him, tries to talk to him. It's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Cool, my cool. cat is actually um, an outside cat. So oh, okay. I have two cats, and they're allowed to go outside. Nice, I think in nice. the U.S. it's not really common, is it? No, no, ours, he escapes outside sometimes, okay. but then he, he comes right back to the doorway and he's like scared as hell to be out there. So yeah, yeah. He, he wants to go out there, but as soon as he gets outside, he's terrified. So cool, cool. So um, where are you from? I saw your Instagram. It looks so different. There's so, like, yeah, different from, backgrounds. Yeah, I'm from Denmark. Denmark. Okay. That's yeah. really cool. That's yeah. really cool. What's it like in Denmark? I mean, I think it's great. I, I really like it here. Um, yeah. We have a... We have a healthcare system that that works, free healthcare, and nice. um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Is it cold there? I mean, yeah, I think. I, I, yeah, it rains a lot. It is cold. It's a bit cold. Yeah, we've. Got, I live in Michigan, so it's like always snowing here, and we get like maybe three or four months of the year where it's decent enough to go outside without a coat on. So yeah, I freezing. think it's the same in Denmark. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so let's just hear kind of your backstory. Where where'd your metaphobia come from? How does it affect you nowadays? I mean, just whatever you want to share. All right. Well, right now I'm 18 years old and I got emetophobia when I was four, so 14 years ago. And it was a bit of the same situation um, as with you. Um, I mean, I think, I guess it was a kind of traumatic um, situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I was on a plane. I have a twin brother together with my twin and my parents. And we were going from somewhere back to Copenhagen, uh, Denmark, where I live. And um, we were like almost in Denmark and I started looking at my twin brother and I felt like he looked a bit weird and kind of off. And so Mm -hmm. I told my parents that that something was wrong with him or that I was scared that something was gonna happen to him because I didn't really know, you know, that you could get nauseous on a plane. I didn't really think about it because I was four. Yeah. and so they just told me that nothing was wrong. And then they actually gave him some crackers, which is, of course, not really the optical thing to, or like the, the right thing to do when someone is feeling nauseous. Sure. Um, and so when the plane landed and everybody was standing up, so I was really small. So I was already feeling a bit like claustrophobic um, because I would say I was, I was always a bit of an anxious child. So I was already feeling a bit, you know, not really safe. Mm. And then suddenly he just, my brother threw up all over the place. Oh, and I was thinking, what is going on? You know, I didn't really know what was happening. I didn't know if he was going to die or if it was like really dangerous and it smelled and it was hot and warm and everything was just chaotic. So I got a really big panic attack. And uh, I remember that my dad and I, we were like um, allowed to go out of the plane earlier because I was feeling so panicky. Yeah. Even though everybody reacted quite well, you know, it's not nice for anybody that someone throws up in a plane. But I remember, or my mom told me later that, that everybody was handing tissues and giving him a bag in case he was going to throw up. But I was just feeling really, really panicking. And I remember 
getting out of the plane and just crying and shivering and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But but kind of the funny thing is that we had to go with it or go with a train or ride with a train afterwards. Um, and I remember being so proud of my brother throwing up and like telling everybody strangers and being like, oh yeah, you know what? My brother just threw up, isn't that cool? And I think it was because, you know, I had never been so scared in my life. So I think I was kind of proud of overcoming that fear and yeah. kind of feeling, you know, knowing that I was still alive and didn't die because of, even though I felt so scared. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what, what, what started it. And um, then it was really hard for me. I mean, throughout kindergarten and middle school, of course, I could feel it. And I remember being teased by the other children and they were of course running after me and doing like all these gag sounds and pretending mm -hmm. they were going to throw up. As, yeah. You know, you probably have, have experienced that as well yeah i've had my fair share for sure yeah so. yeah it does um and then when i was nine i went to my first therapist and um yeah and i actually tried exposure therapy as well when i was nine um the same kind of exposure therapy that you did as well you did like you watched a few videos of cartoon characters and people throwing up right Yep, yep. Yeah, so the only thing that just wasn't really, you know, I don't know, I I was just kind of put into a really harsh situation. So I just, I, I shouldn't, they didn't say anything about cartoon characters. They just told me to watch three videos of in real life people throwing up. So it was just going from zero to 100. Ooh, yeah. So it was a really big, so there wasn't really a slow, you know, beginning. It was just like, you know, starting really Here harsh. You go. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. no, that's scary. That's really, really scary. And I remember having panic attacks, of course, every time I had to watch these videos, because for me, I, was, I didn't really understand why I had to do it. I was like, this is the thing I'm scared of. Why, why should I, you know, get even more scared? And right. so I remember my mom, she helped me a lot with it. Um, so, so she was sadly kind of forced to, uh, to watch the videos of, as well. Um, and yeah. so we would sit down in the evening and she would get out the iPad, you know, and, and find, find a random video of someone throwing up. And then I would be standing three meters away and, you know, not looking and turn, turn, turn my head away. And, and then I would have her tell me what was going, going on in the video. And then when she had done that, like a few times, then I maybe was able to peek a little bit and look at what's going, what was going on. Of course, without any sound, because that would be too much. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then, really quick, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. um, so you went to a counselor and they said, we want you to go home, watch some videos on YouTube. And then like, kind of what, what, what do they want you to do exactly? Like write down anything that they want you to come back and say how your experience went or. I mean, I think, you know, there's this uh, way where I had to write down my fear in numbers, like how much, mm. how scared I was. I mean, I was nine. I don't really remember everything. Right. right. Um, but I remember, yeah, having to draw like kind of a curve about how my fear was feeling or if it was like a 10 or a nine or if it would I think they would kind of see if, if my fear would get get better by yeah. um, watching the videos um and I also did some other kind of exposure therapy like um because my brother my twin brother was really my biggest trigger or like mm -hmm. because because he was throwing up in the situation or in yeah. and so he actually had to be part of my therapy. Um, so he had to eat like mashed or mushed bananas mm -hmm. and then pretend to throw it up. Oh, and wow. then they would, and then my mom would film it and I had to watch it because I was the most scared of him throwing up, um, which also affected him quite a lot, I think. Yeah, you know, I bet. We were yeah. growing up, yeah. Um, I kind of feel a bit bad for him because, you know, he was, uh, I was, I can remember every breakfast, every morning, I would, of course, look at him and analyze him. Okay, was he sitting weird? Is he a bit more, you know, mm. weird looking, sit look, sick looking? And I would always ask him like, are you okay? Are you gonna throw? And you know, that affects another child as well. So it, it was really, yeah, he yeah. gladly yeah. didn't. I mean, I'm really happy that he didn't develop like a emetophobia, which I was really what, scared of. What was the outcome of all that? Do you remember like when you were younger? Yeah, so, I don't remember why I stopped 
like going there, but I guess it was because it worked a bit. But I think it was because I don't think I really gotten got it ended off quite yeah. well. I, I I mean I think I just suddenly stopped, and then in the beginning I think it helped a bit, but then but then now I think it's it's even harder for me to try to to watch these videos because because I it was really hard for me. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't think I it really helped helped me a lot. Yeah. But maybe it's it sounds better. like they didn't really they, they weren't doing it in the right way because kind of the way I was explained is you, you start in like levels, you know, you start mm -hmm. off slow, you move, work your way up. Um, I talked to Dara Lovitz on here. She was like the mm -hmm. um, exposure therapy person that was kind of explained all this stuff to me. I, I got her book as well. Mm -hmm. And I've been reading it a little bit. And they basically explained that, like, you start with like animals and babies, get kind of used to that, get like you're, you're in your comfort zone. And it's just desensitization. So you're, you're just trying to become desensitized to it so that it's not mm -hmm. so bothersome. And the, the whole point of the levels of how scared you are is to kind of show you that, okay, um, you started off, you're at like a five. And then when you got into watching the video, now you're at like an eight or a nine. And then when you're done with the video, you're at like a five again. And they show you like, that's your peak right there. So just to go, yeah. just to show you that the fives were where you were calm, the eights where you were really not calm. And then the five again is where you're calm. So you just kind of see it on a, on a, on a graph to say like, okay, this is mm -hmm. exactly where my problem was. Um, but yeah, I think that that was just a weird way to go about it where they just throw you right into it, watching the harshest videos possible. It's like, that's almost traumatic, traumatizing to yeah. you versus trying to help you at the moment. So it's a very weird yeah. way to do it. Yeah, it is. It's really weird. I was also also thinking back on it and and thinking like, what were they doing? Because I think it actually made it made it kind of worse for me. Yeah. Because it was just yeah, like you said, just more traumatic. Yeah, no, it's scary. So let's go a little bit farther in life. Um, what what about like uh, getting out of middle school, high school? How was it affecting you then? Was it still pretty bad? Well, um, yes. Um, I think the last two two three years is where it's affected me the most in my life i'm i mean i've had a hard time going to school you know because if if, yeah. if i'm just analyzing everything and i'm not able to concentrate on on what the teacher is saying or have to leave school or i'm not i'm scared to to wake up or scared to sleep you know i don't have a lot of energy but that's why i actually i've started on medication yeah um on antidepressants that help against or help with anxiety as well. Sure. Um, so that has helped me a bit. Like, I don't really have any, I mean, I have a lot of underground anxiety, if that makes sense, but it doesn't really peak in the same way as a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of easier to deal with at this point. It's exactly. like a, suppresses it a little bit, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's um, good. So, um, how did that process go? Did you go to the doctor and just say, hey, I'm, I have a ton of anxiety. Can I get some medication? Or would, did they prescribe that to you? Well, um, I actually went to, because we have, like, we are able to go to three free therapists here in Denmark. Yeah. But I actually went to a private one um, because my parents found one that they thought was really good. And so I just went there. Sure. And then I, I talked with her and she was, she was asking me if I wanted medications because I wasn't really able to to live my life at all. And I was feeling really, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really feeling good. So yeah. um, she asked me if I wanted to. And so I, I got prescribed some. And I, of course, it's my own choice. And it took me a while to begin because one of the side effects was nausea. Yeah. Um, and, and possibly vomiting. And, and actually, um, I went to another therapist who was the person who actually gave me the medication. Um, I guess that's a psychologist. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was like a, this white man and already like staring at me and being like, like, I, I don't know, I yeah. felt a bit uncomfortable. And then I was, of course, asking about the side effects and how it was going to affect me and what would happen or what the chances were that I was going to feel sick or throw up and stuff like that. And then he was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's a chance, of course. I mean, and then he was like, yeah, funny story. Actually, I had, I had like a, I gave some medications to, uh, to one of my clients and actually he started feeling really, really sick. And, and actually he had to go to the hospital because, because he had this crazy like side effects. And I was sitting there you know, with emetophobia and I have OCD as well. So of course, also with like, I'm really scared of a lot of other 
you know, to get sick in all kinds of ways. Yeah. So, so I was sitting there almost crying because he just told me the story and I couldn't really believe that he, he because he knew why I was going to get medication. So, yeah. So it just, it kind of goes to show how um, ignorant they are towards it a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, they just kind of brush it off like, oh, yeah, you're afraid that's fine, whatever. But yeah, yeah. you're probably going to get sick. And, you know, that's just, that's oh, such a weird way to go about it when you know somebody has a phobia. Like, that's terrifying. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, kind of invalidating how, how, how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. How did the pills work out? Did you get sick? Was it okay? Um, I mean, I felt nauseous a lot of the time. And every time I, because I had to, I have to, of course, like, step up the medication. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so I started slowly but felt really nauseous, but I think it was just because, you know, I, I knew that I could feel nauseous. And so I felt nauseous because of anxiety. Well, of course, if you got a guy sitting there telling you, yeah, I had a patient who got really sick. It's like, what do you expect me to think now? Geez, that's terrifying. So I can't believe you said that to you. Yeah, Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. So it took me a long time to take the pills, but it's, but I can also feel how, how they're, like improving my my lifestyle now and I feel feel yeah, more generally calm I mean there are a lot of other side effects but but it's nice not to have you know panic attack attacks all all the time yeah on top of the medication what else have you done over the years to kind of combat the emetophobia like help out a little bit any kind of coping mechanisms or I mean yeah I mean yeah I have a lot of coping mechanisms I think a lot of them are also I don't even know that I have like um just small coping mechanisms that I just do and then somebody points them out and I'm like oh I didn't even know that I did this but I mean of course chewing gum um helps me a lot yeah I was a big gum chewer myself so yeah yeah Yeah. do you have any um, teeth problems from that have you had any cavities or anything no no I I I seem to have some pretty bad cavities in the back from that just because I was I mean maybe I was just over chewing gum I was chewing like a pack or two a day so it was like Mm -hmm. consistently always had a piece of gum in my mouth and when you have a metaphobia you probably know too it's hard to brush your teeth sometimes like Mm -hmm. just weird because you don't want to gag you don't want to like have a Mm -hmm. toothbrush in your mouth constantly so I think just the mixture of both of those things of chewing so much gum and then eating so many mints and all the stuff I was doing along with not brushing my teeth for a couple days on end and it was just tough. So I, I definitely have gotten some tooth problems from that over the years. So yeah. I've had some of them fixed, but I got to get, I got to get a couple of cavities filled on the other side. So oh. but one of the side effects of chewing gum every day, all day. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think I was just also really scared to get teeth problems because then they were going to have to, like yeah. the dentist had to do something in my mouth, with, which I also was, was scared of. That's why I haven't been to the dentist. Yeah. I mean, I, I've really? been there, but there was, there was one time where I had to go for a tooth. It hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I'm going to pull this thing out myself if I don't go to the dentist. Like, this is so painful. So that was the only time I went. And then I did have a tooth infection at one point where it made my gums all infected on the bottom. So I had to go to the dentist or else it was like I had oh. to go get antibiotics. And so I went there. And after that day, I have now brushed my teeth morning and night every single day for the last like two straight years. Like I have not stopped because I just do not want to get that again. It was it was I felt like I was being poisoned every day. Like it was the worst feeling I've ever so felt. So cool. drained. But so teeth are serious. Yeah. Teeth are very serious, but yeah. So, um, what have you, uh, like lately the last like year or so, what, how's everything been since you're on the medication now? Are you still going to counseling too or no? Uh, yes, I am. How um, is everything kind of working out together now? Yeah. Well, I started medication two months ago, I think. So I'm still okay. not, I, I'm not taking all, like all the medications that I have. I, I still have to go up in, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what it's called in English. <laughs> yeah you're like ramping up basically yeah. yeah exactly um and so i'm still meeting up with her to yeah to kind of talk about how i'm feeling and and uh, if the side effects are getting worse because one of the side effects i've also gotten is uh is that i really don't have any like have a big appetite which is okay. also kind of triggering for me because i don't know if you know the feeling but if if you're feeling nauseous i either have to eat because yeah. if i don't yeah. eat that means i'm sick or if I don't eat, that means I'm going to throw up um, because if you're sick, then you don't eat. And so I have to eat to prove to myself that I'm not sick. Um, yeah. Or I really can't eat anything because then I'm going to throw it up, you know? So yeah, it's I kind of it. depends on 
and what mindset I have that day or what, what I don't know. Um, so that has been hard. So I've been real, you know, um, my safe foods, I have some safe foods. I've, I've been relying a lot of them. Um, I've eating a lot of, yeah, but you know, safe foods aren't really, they're often unhealthy. I eat a yeah. lot of, uh, of scones. Do you know them? Um, um, no, like, I don't know what a scone is. No, it's like a, a, a butter cake with chocolate pieces in it. Oh, so okay. <laughs> so it's, yeah, something like that. Um, so some, some bread and chocolate, basically. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. white bread and chocolate. And then I sure. drink a lot of, uh, of Coke, you know, Coca-Cola. Yep. And um, because I feel like always when I'm feeling ang- anxious um, and nauseous, then when I drink, I know burping is often like a trigger. And it yeah. is for me as well. But but when I burp because of soda, it, it helps because it releases some of the, the nausea. Yeah, I feel you. I, I used to do the same thing, yeah, for sure. And um, I think that a lot of people I've met lately have drank Coca-Cola or Diet Coke. It's been a definite mm-hmm. like normal thing. And I clean um, commercial buildings at night. So mm-hmm. I see a lot of people's garbage. And when I'm dumping garbages out, almost every single one of them has either a Diet Coke or a sugar-free Red Bull or a sugar-free <laughs> Monster in it. I'm just like, you realize how terrible these things are. And it also makes me wonder, like, why do you need to drink a Red Bull or a Monster when you're sitting in an office all day? What, what kind of yeah. like energy do you fucking need to be like on your computer all day? I just don't get that. Like, what's the Red Bull for? Those are like for athletes to go yeah. get intense amounts of like energy to go do the stuff they're supposed to do, supposedly. But just for me, I'm like, why are you drinking these things? But anyway. Some kind of addiction that mind, yeah. mind addiction, like makes them feel like if they drink it, they're going to. I guess it's so odd to me though, but yeah, yeah. very unhealthy, un- very unhealthy <laughs> countries for sure. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, um, I switched over to veganism. Like I've, I've said in the mm-hmm. podcast before, and it's been like life-changing for me. No more stomach problems, no more like nausea pretty much ever. The only time oh. I get nauseous is when I eat too much as I, mm-hmm. I tend to like overindulge on a lot of these things. Cause I get like addicted to oranges for the day and I just eat like an mm-hmm. entire bag of oranges in like an hour. And I'm just like, God, my stomach hurts. So there's stuff like that where, um, I do overeat a little bit, but I'm eating such good things now. And like, I don't drink any soda. I don't, I don't drink any processed sugars, no eat, no eating of any candy or any chocolate or anything. So just strictly tea, vegan, um, milkshake or, uh, shakes and everything. So I just really try to stick to that as much as possible. It's been really helpful. The diet's really, really important when you have metaphobia. Cause like I used to have a lot of safe foods myself. And then uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables were like my not safe foods because they would make me feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. But now that I eat them so often, I've just become so like used to eating them. It's like my body like craves them all day and night. So it's just it's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. But it's like, it's kind of a bad circle because when you're feeling really, really anxious, then you only want to eat, eat these safe foods. But there, of course, makes you make you feel even more anxious or, you know, because it's it's processed food that's not, you know, good for you. Um I want to ask too, what is like the, um, so here in America, we have like, you know, Oreo, like everywhere you go in a a supermarket, it's all like marketed. So it's just like big, bright, flashy colors of food and like, Mm -hmm. you know, eat macaroni and cheese and eat the Oreos and eat this and Sunny D and all these things. How is it in Denmark as far as the supermarket goes? Do they have like big flashy marketing there? Is it pretty uh, nice on their food? Well, I've never really, (laughs) I've never really thought about it. Um, No, I don't think that it's, I'm, I've been to the US once and I, it's not the same as there, but you no. know, of course there's like, mark, yeah, of course they're like trying to get you to buy all kinds of sweets and trying to, um, you know, place them right, right in front of where you're paying because then you just, you know, look at it and think that, that you want to eat that too. But, but I think it's, no, I think it's okay. I don't think it's. What about, what about fast food? Do you have a lot of McDonald's and Burger Kings and stuff there? um yeah a few but it's not as not as many as you have <laughs> no yeah we got like no. every corner there's a mcdonald's somewhere it's insane yeah, no no i've i think i've eaten mcdonald's three times in my life okay yeah so i remember i i ate burger king for like 10 years straight every single day mm-hmm. every morning that was like my morning ritual would go to burger king get mm-hmm. the same little wrap and a coffee and the same thing every single day and it was just like so normal for a while and then now I look back and I'm like how did I do that without like feeling so shitty all the time 
but also it's nice to have like an an eating routine to know what you're eating because you know how your body's going to react so yeah yeah so i think that's what it was too it was just yeah. like i'm used to this it makes me feel the same every single day but then when i stopped mm -hmm. i was like man i kind of was feeling like shit every day i didn't really even realize it but yeah so let's go back a little farther um you, you talked about the plane situation mm -hmm. what was your like childhood like other than that like besides the emetophobia did you have a good childhood was it fun did, did your parents have a good time with you did you go on vacations like how was everything as a child well yeah i had a i i think i had a good child childhood you know um I, i'm i was really close with my twin brother still am and yeah. we were playing a lot and we i have a little brother as well and we're also quite close and um we went to vacations and which was of course hard for me because often my parents wanted to go by plane, which was really triggering and hard for me. Um, or, you know, all the, all kinds of transportations really. Um, but yeah, I had a nice, a nice childhood. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, 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 the big major hard part was, was my emophobia growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's understandable. I just I always like to ask because it's uh, you just never know. It's just nice mm -hmm. to know what people grew up as. And we're, yeah. we're all so different with this metaphobia. So I'm just like I try to kind of pinpoint on things and be like, maybe if we all had the same type of mm -hmm. childhood, maybe that's a reason why. But it's just it's just so weird. It's always different. Everybody has a different yeah. lifestyle. And I've been learning a lot lately that we're all born with it. Like these anxiety disorders that we have, I, I really do believe that we're born with them because we all have different times in our lives when they come up and when they happen. And um, I just, it, that's the only variable is that we all have the same thing. You know, it's like, it's just a weird thing that um, it's like, how would we all just come up with this? Like, cause nobody even knows that they have it sometimes and nobody knows yeah. that anybody else has a menophobia. So how are we all on the same exact fucking level together with this? <laughs> Yet we are completely in different countries, different situations, different lifestyles, different childhoods, everything's so different, but we all have the same exact thing. So that's what really yeah. makes me think that like, this is a brain thing. Like it's in your brain. It's ha it happens from birth, but then there are just moments in your life that kind of bring it up more and more and more and they just solidify these facts that we have it and then you just kind of develop this over time that it gets worse and worse and that's a huge one what yeah, are some I... things in your in your life that you've missed out on because of your metaphobia yeah i mean i think i think i am really good at pushing myself and i have like a, a good support system that that helps me when i when there's something i don't want to do or feel really really anxious about um yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, I think I'm really good. At, I mean, something that I've missed out on is I used to do a lot of sports when I was younger. Um, and I used to uh, perform, like I used to do trapeze and perform oh, and yeah, and run a lot. And then recently, the, like two years ago, something I don't, I didn't even really have a specific uh, like trigger about it but i think it was it suddenly just kind of changed because i just got even more like because when you when you're running and sweating and your body feels weird and it's not the yeah. same as when you're just sitting so that really triggered me so I've, I've, I've had a really hard time doing doing sports even though it's something that i really used to love and it and used to help me and calm my anxiety and you yeah. help, help me get in touch with myself and my own body um so that's something that that i'm missing out on and and trying to to work for and that's also something that i'm working with uh, with my therapist um you know trying to to do some yoga just even if it's just 10 minutes or you know yeah, go for good. a small run um yeah and i think i think yeah i don't know i think i feel like i don't really i don't really miss out on you know i i'm able to go to parties where people drink even though that makes me uncomfortable and yeah. i get you know anxious about it um but you know then i then i know kind of how to react and kind of take a step back and go outside and and breathe for a while or something but i think one thing that i that i do is often when i when i go somewhere even though i'm anxious and, and don't really want to then when i come back and have felt anxious and nauseous and the only thing I'm focusing on, focusing on is that I felt anxious and nauseous and not the fact that I actually went there, even though I didn't think I would be able to. Do you know that yeah. feeling? Oh, I yeah, I know what you mean. Focus on all the negative things. Yeah. 
all the what ifs and then you get there and it's not as bad and then you're just like why am I still so freaking anxious about all this like it wasn't even yeah. that bad no I get yeah. that too and um I was reading that book today I was just about mm-hmm. to say something about that um they oh, I forgot what I was even gonna say anyway let's talk about your family and um your friends how supportive have they been and and what what were they like when you told them about your amenophobia were they pretty understanding of it or were they very like you know what is that you know my close family they of course experienced it together with me because i was four years old so i couldn't really i mean they saw all my reactions and could see how how scared i was so so we kind of figured out together and they also saw how serious it was um then when i told some of my friends of course i've again gotten reactions like oh but nobody likes to throw up you know as everybody talks about um but i have like a few close friends who do know or of course don't know how it is, but try to support me as, as well as they can or are able to. I have one friend who also, she doesn't suffer from emetophobia, but she has anxiety and a lot of other disorders. Yeah. Um, and we help each other a lot and she helps me a lot. You know, I think she's, she's the person because it, it's as close as it gets to emetophobia, you know, a lot of um, yeah, anxiety to thinking. Um, yeah. So, so we call each other almost every night, actually, and kind of see how we're feeling and um, help each That's other good. out. And, you know, when I'm having a panic attack or something, I know I'm able to, to call her and she'll try to help me get through it or rationalize my, my thoughts. That's huge. That's really good to have a friend like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, when I was growing up, I, um, all of my friends were very, like, party-centric. They always wanted to go mm-hmm. party and do drugs and get drunk and all that stuff. And, like, I was a part of that lifestyle for a long time. And even when I got the emetophobia, I still tried to do that stuff, even though it was like super traumatic every time I'd be around my friends and we'd all be like really drunk. So um, they weren't extremely supportive. And then I moved out of my mom's house when I was like 17 or 18, moved up to where I'm living now and moved in with my friend. And they were very like, you know, let's we just smoke weed all day and basically don't do anything. And I was like the whole like lifestyle, you know what I mean? And I'm like trying to do other things and have a job and do things. But it was just like everything around me was so negative for so long. And they didn't understand what I was going through. So like, because like we our our friendship was based on the fact that I smoked weed. That was it. Like that was the only thing we had in common, really. So when I stopped doing that completely, they all just kind of shunned me out. So then I had not only the anxiety of my metaphobia, but then I had the like social anxiety of now I got to go walk into the kitchen and get something. And then I have to deal with all these people who don't like me anymore. And I'm just like another person of the house. And so I think that once I got out of that situation, finally, and got into my own place where I could focus on myself and my growth and all the stuff, that's when things really started to ramp up and be like a lot better for me. But I definitely just, I never had the like support I was looking for. I had like girlfriends in my life that would be kind of supportive, but they still didn't understand it. My friends never understood it. My mom was always the one that's just like, no, oh, come on, let's just go. Like, I'm, I'm not waiting around for you. And it's just like, I, I just, it's, it's just tough. You know what I mean? And I think the yeah. support system was a big part of why it lasted so long for me. Um, I want to touch too. How did you find out you had emetophobia? Was it, um, did your parents say like, we need to take you to counseling because of the, the plane situation? Or was it like on your own? Did you just find out about it? Well, I, I don't really, I mean, I remember you know, because I was, I was since that day or like the days after I was just acting really weird. And I think my parents didn't really quite understand why, because, you know, they did see that I was scared, but, but didn't really understand why I just wouldn't go away. And then I think when it was, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think when I went to a counselor when I was nine, I think that's when they told me, um, and I remember when I heard the word, word emetophobia, I was like, oh, that's a really weird word. Do I have, I have emetophobia? Hmm, that's weird. I don't even know what that means, but okay, I guess I have emetophobia. Um, so that's kind of how I found out. And, and I didn't really understand that other people had it as well. You know, you interview a lot of people with an emetophobia, but have you ever like met somebody who actually has, in real life, who has emetophobia? I've, I've met two people actually, and they were both like, um, girls that I had gone on a date with and mm-hmm. eventually, cause there was the first one, um, I had met her over, I think just Facebook or something like that. And we had talked and then, um, 
I met up with her and we were driving around and I just remember she was very anxious the whole time, like very jittery and like weird. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of like had that like vibe of just like, she does not feel comfortable. And I just don't really know why. Cause like we were having good conversations. Everything was okay. And I don't, and I just didn't think it was because of me. It just was like the situation felt really weird. The vibes were weird. And then after a while I saw that there was like a million packs of empty gum everywhere. And she was like consistently putting gum in her mouth. And so was I. And I just kind of looked over at her. I was like, <laughs> why do you chew gum so much? And she's like, I don't know. I have just like this weird, like anxiety thing. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? And she like explained the metaphobia to me almost perfectly. And I was like, do you have a metaphobia? And she's like, yeah, I do. I do. And I was like, you have like, you know, you have a metaphor. And it was like this weird, like, holy shit moment where I'm like, you have a metaphobia. And I almost like, it kind of got this like ego thing of like, you don't have a metaphobia. Like what the fuck? <laughs> There's no way you have that. And so we had this long talk and turns out she really did. I mean, she uh, full blown was full emetophobic. Like she had a really hard time driving. She also had a mm -hmm. really bad, like smoking cigarettes problem where she smoked a lot of cigarettes all the time and just anxiety thing, you know, and, um, also had the safe food. So she had like a pack of Ritz crackers in her back seat, mm. and just like all these little like things. I was like, holy shit. And then the next one was another girl I met on Tinder, went out there for just a night to go hang out with this girl and we were drinking beers. And I remember she like put the beer down and she was like halfway done with it. And it was like done drinking her beer. And I'm just like, this girl's like, she bought like two six packs. Why isn't she drinking? You know, it was kind of weird. And then, so that was like the first red flag for me. And then all of a sudden she pulls out a pack of mints out of her pocket and puts mm. a mint in her mouth. And then she did it again, like five minutes later. And then another one, and another one, she was very jittery too. And I, so after mm. a while, I, I just was like explaining myself to her. And I was like, yeah, I have this weird thing. It's, it's called metaphobia. It's like the fear of, you know, throwing up and it's just weird. And her eyes just like her whole face lit up. She's like, you have a metaphobia too. And I was like, no, there's no way that you have it. So I've, I've definitely met two people in my life that both have had emetophobia and it was just weird, like moments yeah. where I, I wasn't expecting to, but it just happened and it was very odd, but. Yeah, because yeah. I've met one person as well and it was random or like a friend of a friend. And so we yeah. sat down and I don't even remember how we started talking about emetophobia, but we did. And then I remember I was going also like you, like, Dude, are, you, are you sure you really have emetophobia? And she was going, yeah, and you really have it too, yeah. And then we started like, switching out like or sharing stories and being like oh do you know when this happens and it's just awful yeah i understand this it's just really really awful and then actually we were in a bit of a funny situation um a bit later or another day and we were going by bus together with like 20 other people um mm. and we were talking about how we were both a bit nervous because we didn't know how far or how long it was going to take with the bus um and if there were going to be any bumps or if yeah. somebody was going to feel sick and so she was sitting in front of me and I was yeah sitting behind her and suddenly she says that she was that she's feeling a bit nauseous and that of course triggers me and her so we both start like feeling a bit anxious and she sees my reaction as well and of course that triggers her as well because I was feeling anxious and so she feels even more anxious because I'm feeling anxious and so I feel more anxious because she's feeling anxious and then <laughs> she, so it's just like a spiral and then suddenly she pulls out a bag and holds it in front of her mouth and I'm going okay she's gonna throw oh, up no. she's gonna throw up and I you know turn my whole body the other way because we weren't allowed to stand up or we couldn't really there wasn't enough space and then but she really just pulled the bag out in case she was gonna throw up and she didn't want to make me scared that she was gonna throw up everywhere so she's trying to try kind of try uh, did it to make me feel safer but it just of course made me feel even worse yeah and so it's just the spiral that kept on going and she ended up not throwing up and we got out of the bus and and we talked with each other later and we're kind of laughing it off because it was a you know afterwards it's a bit of a silly situation but in the moment you know it's really it's really a, of course a scary yeah that's tough no i i always um think about doing like an emetophobia convention where i have like people with emetophobia come and, and visit and have like a big like get together at some point but mm -hmm. I always thought about those exact situations. I'm like, I don't know if some people could handle that. It's like a big social ex experiment there where you're just like a bunch of people who are afraid of other people being sick around it a bunch is. of other people who like, it's just this never ending circle of like being scared. I'm like, I don't know how well it would work out, but it's, it's a thought for sure. So no, that's, that's crazy. But yeah. Other than that, um, do you have any advice for anybody who has emetophobia now who's been struggling that maybe something you'd want to tell them? Mm, well, I think that's a good question. I think something that has helped me is that I made for a lot of years and still do accidentally sometimes like make emetophobia my personality, that I am my emetophobia that, and that emetophobia is me. 
which is a bit dangerous, I think, because then when I think about myself or, you know, when I thought about myself, I only saw this girl with metaphobia and that was my whole life. And I couldn't really be anything else other than my phobia. And um, I think that's a bit dangerous because, um, because I'm, I'm a lot of other things besides my phobia. Um, it's just something that, you know, rules so from time to time is my life or is a part of my life um and also it kind of made me scared to go to therapy because i thought it was my whole life and who would i be if i didn't have my phobia you know it, it made it really hard for me to go to therapy um because i think we as we as humans also are scared scared of new, new things um and you know i i'm used to all these emetophobia thoughts even though they're uncomfortable it's weird to think about me not having them um but yeah i'm i'm still learning that that emetophobia is not my whole personality no it's Um, not definitely yeah um what are some good things about you you want to share with people what are some what's your actual personality besides emetophobia well um i think (laughs) i think i think i'm a really caring person I think I'm uh, good at helping other people, which uh, not to bring in my metaphobia again, but I think something that emetophobia has taught me is, is also to be able to help a lot of people, um, you know, because I have panic attacks and I know how I would like people to react when I'm feeling, feeling uh, anxious. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm really good at helping other people in that way. Um, and a lot of people that have actually also told me that you know, not to, not to brag. <laughs> no, do it. Like, brag away. Like, like, a, I've gotten even letters from, from people who I don't really know, but who've told me that I've helped them a lot just because I, you know, talk to them and want to listen and, and, and hear what they have to say and, and how they're feeling. And a lot of people have told me that, that I've helped them a lot. So, so that, that's a big part of me as well, I think. Um, and, and that's also, I think, uh, you know, as I said, I think my emetophobia has helped me in that way as well. Um, actually, once I was, uh, it was, it was in my school and during a break and suddenly the door bursts open and, and, um, somebody comes running and says like, my classmate, she's sitting on the, on the floor and is feeling really, really, I don't know what's happening, but she's hyperventilating and I don't know what's, what's going on. And, and I was, of course you know, hearing it and, and thinking, oh, she's having a panic attack. So I, as the only person in the classroom, went with the girl and sat beside the, the girl who was feeling or had a panic attack. And then I actually helped her um, feel better. And she had never had a panic attack before. So she was feeling really confused and didn't know what was going on. So I, yeah. so I was able to help her. And, and that's, that's something that I'm also thankful for, that, that I know how to, you know, Help you're me. like I'm, I'm very well versed in this don't worry I got yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. that's how I feel too I, I always do the same thing where like my friends are having a hard time with something and I'm just like you want some water you want this you want mm-hmm. this you want that I got you like you want some comfort yeah. you want you want to watch a video or something you want some yeah I'll make you laugh you want a joke like I'm always the kind of guy who's just like if you're having a hard time I know what it's like and I've been through it myself and like nobody ever fucking helped me with this shit so it's like I want to be the person who's there helping people as much as I can with these problems so it's definitely it's a good thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, metaphobia does bring some good out in us, even though it is a very negative thing in our minds. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that's like, I'll tell you right now, I'm never going to eat expired food. <laughs> I'm never going <laughs> to like serve somebody a undercooked piece of meat. Like uh, it's one of those things where you've got these like little quirks about you that just kind of, they do make you that's you, true. but at the same time, it's the emetophobia doesn't define you, but it is definitely a part of your life. And it's something exactly. that you, you've grown up with and you've accepted. And it's, that's why I always tell people like, um kind of a, make the emetophobia your friend instead of your enemy mm-hmm. and it becomes a lot easier to deal with every day you know exactly accepting it is sure. a really really big part and i remember when i was younger i had a really hard time accepting it and i actually started imagining my my phobia as a small dragon dragon that mm-hmm. was sitting on my shoulder and then when i was feeling anxious i learned to like kind of look at my shoulder and trying to pet it and like oh it's okay it's just my friend i'm just gonna i i'm gonna have to like give you a hug or something because it doesn't really help fighting it you know it is the accepting that is the the hard the hardest part but also really important part yep so one more quick question do you think that um you'll ever try exposure therapy again 
Ooh, that is a <laughs> really good question. I mean, now that you're older and you know, kind of understand it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I have I have thought about it actually, um, yeah. but it would be a quite big step for me because I have had like the the bad experiences and exposure therapy in my mind is like a traumatic event and and something I don't really want at all to experience, um, mm-hmm. of course, but but. I do think also now that I'm on medication um, that I might be able to handle a bit more. And um, so I, I, I could see me in the future trying exposure therapy. It's yeah. good to hear. I, I think that if you did do it, I think you'd be able to get off the medication. I really, yeah. I, highly, I highly feel that way. Yeah. Because like, I did it, I guess, the right way where you, you do mm-hmm. it in the levels. You do like smaller videos first. And I keep telling everybody to go to YouTube and just search up exposure therapy, emetophobia. I did that last night. None of the videos that I watched when I did do this like five years ago or whatever it was are mm-hmm. there anymore for some reason. So I'm not sure if they got taken down because of copyright things because they were other people's videos or what happened. But um, so that that might be a thing that just to, to look out for. But if you just kind of make yourself a goal list and say, all right, I'm going to look at, you know, dogs and babies first (laughs) then i'm gonna move on to like you know just 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 sounds of people gagging and then i'm gonna move on from that to like challenges where people drink an entire two liter of sprite Uh, or or milk or something and then from there i'm gonna move on to like people actually sick with the flu or like you know just it's it's a level thing and then spending a certain amount of time so it's like any Mm -hmm. five to twenty minutes you you pick your time limit and you just sit there and you have to watch it for that amount of time, regardless. And you can look away. I mean, you don't have to stare at it the whole time, but you have to kind of like learn how to ease yourself out of that anxiety. Cause yeah, that's really the biggest part of it all is just becoming um, like kind of one with it and saying like, this doesn't control me. This doesn't scare me anymore. This it's, it's like facing your demons. That's really the only way to fix the problem because the more you run away, and the more that you're afraid of your demons and the more that you let them win, you know, they're just going to keep taking over and they're going to keep this thing going constantly in your brain. And the what ifs are going to keep happening and uh, um, being scared of it and like running away from every situation where someone's sick. Like I want to be to a point in my life where if somebody's sick in my house or somewhere, I can go comfort them, actually sit mm-hmm. next to them while they're sick and say like, hey, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. That's where I'm trying to get in my life. And I feel like I'm yeah. very close to that level. And, and I think it became oh. um, really uh, relevant with the first round of exposure therapy I did. Then I lived with two small children with my Mm ex-girlfriend. She had a three and a four-year-old kid. They were very exposure therapy prone. Like they were constantly sick of something, always, you know, getting sick all the time. So there's that. And then um, my ex got pregnant as well. So she had morning sickness. I had to deal with all that. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of exposure therapy that happened over the last couple of years, which really got me to where I am now. So I'm just like almost desensitized to it, to where it's like, yeah, it still Uh gets me going if I watch somebody like doing it or hear it. But at the end of the day, like it only gets me for maybe a minute or two. And then I'm like, it's all right. Like, it's okay. It just kind of brushes off now. It's not like the whole, I need to go run in the bathroom and hide for the next 25 <laughs> minutes and watch a video on my phone and call my mom and like just the freaking yeah. out. Like, I don't do that anymore at all. It's just very simple, like easy stuff. So right. I think the, the exposure therapy is a huge part of it all. And I just want to keep pushing that towards people if I can. So I think, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to try it because that's really also what I want to be able to do. And I work with I mean, I'm in my free time. I'm I'm a babysitter. I work with a lot of different kids, yeah. Which is also, you know, every time I'm I'm going there, I'm I'm anxious because I'm scared that they're gonna feel sick or are gonna be yeah. sick because you know I'm working or babysitting a, a girl. She's nine, which is a bit better. But I'm also babysitting two two uh, siblings, and the, he's I think he's four or five, and the girl is almost almost two. So yeah. like they're quite young still and they, you know, kids just catch a lot of also just flus and flu-like symptoms and, and yeah. yeah, so that's something I also want to be able to, to uh, babysit them and not feel anxious while doing it. Yes. I also want to suggest, I'm reading the book by Dara Lovitz. I'm going to have her on the mm-hmm. podcast tomorrow with her doctor. We're going to be talking a lot mm-hmm. about like a bunch of questions and stuff. So, um, but I got her book. It's called Gag Reflections, Conquering oh. a Fear of Vomit Through Exposure Therapy. Um, but I bought that book and I've been reading it today. I got like 30 pages in and just those 30 pages. I learned so much just about this, like, uh, exposure therapy. And there's a thing called SUDS, S-U-D-S, which I I can't really give you the explanation on that at the moment, but it's basically that level of how anxious you are, the zero to 10 type thing. 
Um, but it explains how that all works out and how the, the levels help you. And there's just a lot of information in that book that is very, very useful. And I think that if you're thinking about exposure therapy and it's something that's on your mind, that book will help you kind of get past the scared of it. Cause mm-hmm. just the first 30 pages, there's already some exposure therapy just in there alone, reading all the stuff that she mm-hmm. went through. So it's, it's insane, but it's, it's a really good book. And I think I'm going to start suggesting that to everybody because it helps a lot for sure. So. And you bought it on Amazon or on Amazon. Yep. Yep. It was on Amazon. Yeah. I think it was like, 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something like that. So definitely worth the money though, for sure. It's a really, really good book. Um, So uh, we're getting about an hour here. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners or anything you want to push, or maybe you could share your Instagram or something or whatever you want to say? Well, (laughs) my Instagram, I have a a Danish Instagram name, so I don't, it's in Danish. It would be called Pördeplendeven. Um, I do have it. I, I have it written down here. I will share it in the show notes okay. so people can follow you if, the, if okay. they want to. So, so yeah. other than that, though, have... do you have any anything else you want to say before we go? Something inspiring. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have. Yeah, I do have. I do have like an app that that helped me a lot um, okay. called Panic Relief. Um, and there's like, because when you're in a situation where you can't really escape or you're sitting alone and can't really call anybody or, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like, it's like a bit, there's like a square on the app and then there's like a small dot on the, on the square and then it kind of helps you breathe. And that's, that's a really nice uh, kind of distraction or, or help. Um, One more time. What was it called? Just for uh, panic relief. Panic relief. Okay. Yeah. For sure. I'll look into of, that. There, there are different settings. So. So different exercises as well to do when you're feeling anxious. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate coming on the show. You're my first uh, Danish person. So that's really exciting. (laughs) Good deal. Good deal. I hope you were Um, able to understand what I was saying. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, no. English is great. English sounds wonderful. I like the accent too. The accent is beautiful. I like the accent a lot. (laughs) Thank you. It's wonderful. So um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really nice Mm -hmm. meeting you. We'll we'll keep in touch. And uh, if Mm -hmm. I want to do a part two, I'll hit you up for sure. For sure. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Have have a good one. Bye. Hell yeah, guys. That was a really awesome podcast. Really glad to have Freya on the show. Um, Again, if you want to find her, it's over on Instagram at P-O-T-T-E-P-L-A-N-T-E-V-A-N-D. I will also link that down below, like I said. Um, Also, if you want to find me, you can go over to emetophobias.com or you can reach me at theemetophobiapodcast at gmail.com or my Instagram is theemetophobiapodcast and it has all my links in my bio on there. You'll be able to find everything you want and my website has pretty much everything you need to find as well or that you're going to need. There's also blog posts on there from um, listeners that have written into the show and have um, I put them on the website so you guys can kind of read over their stories if they don't want to come on the show or talk um, in person. So really cool. I'm really glad to have you guys as a support group for me and for everybody else around me in this emetophobia world. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Peace out. Let's put worry.